Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg in the New River Valley and Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com. I am joined by men from all over the state of Virginia right now, the usual suspects, of course. Currently in Nova, the head honcho of the Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com, we have Mike McDaniel. Mike, how are you? Andrew, I'm really glad you're back, buddy. Yeah, man. You know, it's uh, good times. It's good times. But you guys carry the shit pretty well without me. I got to bring my A game. I got to make sure that, I, that I'm uh, that I'm contributing here. But uh, speaking of people that contribute, we have a major contributor to Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com all the way out in the 757, none other than Ricky the Blue. Ricky, what's going on, Doug? Oh, not much. You're far too kind, but uh, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, it's a, as usual, an interesting week in uh, in tech athletics. It seems like we can never get a week or two that isn't uh, batshit crazy on social media, but here we are nonetheless. It's good news for us, though. Yeah, th- there's there's plenty of stuff to talk about, right? Like, we can't, we can't sit here and, and moan about, oh, it's a slow off season. There's nothing to write about or nothing to tweet about or nothing to talk about on the pod we've got plenty of plenty of content all right guys well let's start off with something that is obviously a story that has escalated to what seems to be a finality here that former virginia tech commit rivals top 250 quarterback demetrius davis used to be with vt he has committed to auburn now that doesn't come as much of a surprise to any of us because we said on the day of his decommitment that, well, he was probably going to Auburn. That was something that most people in these recruiting circles had the assumption was going to happen, right? I think what's made more news, especially on Virginia Tech Twitter, is Davis's comments to, uh, I guess it was a rivals writer or, or, or something like that. And I'm, I'll read you guys the quote here. What really made me commit the opportunity to play in big games every week. I'll have the opportunity to get my name out there once I get on the field and do what I do. A picture of Auburn compared to Virginia Tech, everything academically was better. Virginia Tech wasn't in the same league as Auburn, and I had to be smart. I had to realize when I was going to Virginia Tech, tech i was gonna play fast when i committed to the Hokies, i knew i could play there my first year but then i thought 
It would be okay to sit behind someone like Bo Nix my freshman year. I know that even if I'm not starting, my time is coming. Virginia Tech Twitter didn't like that. <laughs> Virginia Tech Twitter. Yeah, that's an understatement, right? They, <laughs> they definitely didn't like it. They didn't like that at all. I'll give my my analysis of this, and then you guys can, can add anything else that you want. Yeah, go ahead. The opportunity to play big-time games every week, that is certainly a draw of Auburn. Talked to Chris Cole yeah. next sideline on the radio the other day, and he said – Auburn will play fewer games in stadiums that don't seat up to 80,000 people than Virginia Tech will play in stadiums that seat up to 80,000 people. It's the SEC. It's college football down there. It's a big deal. That alone is, you know, I, I guess an understandable reason why you'd want to do something like that. Now, the academically everything was better thing that's just straight false, right? I mean, can we all agree that's just straight false? It's just incorrect. Like, it's factually incorrect. Like, you can't find a college ranking website that puts Auburn above Virginia Tech. Now, that doesn't mean that Auburn's a bad school. Auburn's a good school. But it's not Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is... This is a... Uh, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know exactly how Demetrius's recruitment with Auburn went down. Um, I'm sure that Auburn, <laughs> Mike, I'm not going to talk about what you're doing here on the video chat. We're just going to walk right on past that and act like it didn't happen. Um, Get yourself a good bag, man. Get yourself a good bag, man. It, it, it probably went something like Auburn pitching Demetrius some stuff and Demetrius bought it. Um, it is what it is. It ain't changing. Uh, and tech fans have every right to be upset with how this all went down. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna admonish people for being upset. Obviously, tweeting at recruits is never a good idea. Um, so think before you tweet, folks. That being said, I'm very, very happy that this has pretty much reached a, a final ending here, and we can all kind of move on because this is. This is like the, the exact reason why I hate college recruiting, both football and basketball. It's it, 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 there's way too much clout going on. Kids are, are worried about their their reputation more so than their future. Um, there's so many politics that go on, not just from the the player side, but the school side as well. Um, coaches do shady stuff all the time. Um, shady stuff goes on in every way, in every facet of recruiting. And and that's not to say that guys are breaking rules. I'm sure there are guys breaking rules out there, but I think by and large, most coach, most, most teams and coaches aren't. But man, it, it's, it, it's a, it, it's an odd situation when the entire industry of college recruiting depends on the, the mind of a 16, 17, 18 year old kid. And w w when that happens, it's bound to change very, very quickly because these kids are still growing and they're still change. You know, they're still learning exactly what they want. So I'm very happy that this is over. Um, I'm glad that this, this us talking about it on this podcast will be the last time we, we talk about all the details of his, of his decommitment. And instead we can focus on what it means on the field. Cause ultimately that's what matters. Now, now, Mike, for this last part, the part where he says he knew he could play 
at Virginia Tech right away, his first year. I don't necessarily buy that. I mean, assuming that Hendon Hooker wouldn't go pro, he'd still be on the roster. Burmeister, you know, assuming that he wouldn't transfer, would still be on the roster. And Quincy Patterson would still be on the roster. I mean, right now, today, Hendon Hooker is considered a top, you know, five at a minimum. Some people have have him as high as three quarterback in the ACC. Davis yeah. may have been good, but it would have taken a lot for him to step in and overtake Hendon Hooker or any of those guys for that matter for the starting job. Yeah, I mean, I think Demetrius Davis is going to be a really good college football player. I do believe that, but I, I don't think there was any chance he was going to start over a fifth-year senior in Hendon Hooker. I don't think there was a chance that that would have happened. Um, it, I, it's really hard for a guy to start as a freshman at any position, but it's especially hard to do it at quarterback. Yeah, and I just didn't agree with Demetrius Davis's overall premise of like, oh, I could sit behind Bo Nix. Like, Bo Nix is like infinitely better than Hendon Hooker. I don't even really think that's the case. I think Bo Nix definitely had, you know, he was a higher rated recruit. He had a lot of upside, but like Hooker's no slouch, man. Like Hooker's a four-star prospect. He's not like the prospect that Demetrius Davis was coming out of high school, but Hooker's like a, a pretty good football player, guys. And like he stepped in, you saw the difference it made on the field for Virginia Tech last year. And that's before you even talk about a guy like Burmeister, who was a four-star recruit, Quincy Patterson, a four-star recruit. Like it's a loaded quarterback room in Blacksburg. Like this isn't just something that Davis could just step into. And, you know, at worst, like two of the three quarterbacks would probably still be there if Davis was on the roster. Right. So like the way I look at it, guys, like, look, the academics thing was a total sham. Like Virginia Tech's a much better school than Auburn. Now, Will Stewart did point out, which I thought was a good point. I saw him point out on Twitter that, you know, he could have been talking about the academic support, but it didn't read like that in that quote that he gave to rivals. It seemed like he was just saying Auburn was a better academic school, which is just factually incorrect. But I, I think, look, I, I was irritated with that as an alum of Virginia Tech and just like being proud of my degree and how hard it was like, to get believe through it or business not, school. Three Virginia Tech alum, we all sort of take this personally. Right? Yeah, like, like I admittedly, yeah, admittedly, like I took it personally as a Virginia Tech alum. It was like, man, that's like, come on, man. Like, I. It was not easy to get through Virginia Tech. Like, I had a pretty difficult time getting through the business school. You can ask any of my close friends. Like, it was a struggle for me um, academically at Tech. Um, with that being said, I'm really proud of my degree and everything it took to get to get through that program. But I, aside from that, like, just taking all that aside and, like, personal feelings about that aside, like, we all know that Demetrius Davis didn't make this decision based on academics, right? I mean... All this, all this aside, like the opportunity at Auburn to play big time football, I made I made a joke right there about getting yourself a good bag man and him getting paid and all that. I, there's no reason to believe that's what happened. It happens in the SEC. We know it does. There was a you know articles posted about how it happened at Ole Miss and SB Nation did a really nice job covering that with Stephen Godfrey. Um, but there's no reason to believe that that's what happened here until further notice. We're but not the, the opportunity to accuse people of decommitting because the other school is paying. We'll blame other reasons. Right. Right. I'm going to blame the reason that Auburn's a better football program than Virginia Tech. Like, that's what I'm going to put on it. And people don't, people will not like hearing that, but it's the truth. And for Demetrius Davis to come out and say, oh, there's the opportunity to play in big time games every week. Like, look, part of that's on Virginia Tech too, right? Like, Tech needs to play better on the field to pull in these types of recruits. Like, they just need to be a better program. And I guess, I guess it's a chicken before the egg thing. And who's going to, you know, who are we going to recruit to bring in? Guys, 
the other teams that Virginia Tech's competing against in the ACC, especially in the Coastal Division, and some of the games that Tech's, that Tech's lost over the last couple of years, you think about the blowout to Pitt two years ago. Um, you think about the way they've lost to Boston College at the beginning of last season, the way they lost to Boston College a year before that in Lane Stadium with A.J. Dillon at like 50% of his total health. Like They've lost some really tough games in the ACC the last couple of years against teams they should be beating with the recruits that they are bringing in year after year after year. There's no reason why Virginia Tech needs to all of a sudden recruit at a top 15 level to beat their competition in the ACC. The guys they have on the roster are more than capable of getting the job done against the teams they're playing in the conference. Virginia Tech gets back to winning nine games, winning 10 games on a consistent basis. Better recruits will come to Blacksburg. You can control some of that to a degree. Some of it you can't because the SEC is a better league than the ACC year over year. The SEC is more consistent. With all that being said, what Tech can control is playing better football. And if you want recruits to say, oh, yeah, I want to go to Blacksburg to play in big time games on Thursday night, because that's what that's what recruits used to be drawn to at Tech. And now they don't really have that. Right. You know, Tech plays a Thursday night game against, you know. You know, they played North Carolina in the past when North Carolina wasn't good. It's like, OK, how 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 many recruits are getting up for this game? Right. But seeing that atmosphere at Lane Stadium on Thursday night against a good Miami team that gets recruits in the door, guys. Performing well on national stage, that gets recruits in the door. And Tech hasn't done enough of that consistently. And they have to get back to winning on the field to change that perception of the program for these elite recruits. I think the thing that bothered me the most about all this was, I I guess it was a day or two before uh, Demetrius announced his commitment to Auburn. He put out a top three. And it was what, Tech, um, Texas A&M, and who else? LSU. LSU. And... Everyone in the world knew that he was going to Auburn. Yet we get we get this top three list, and they're not even on the list. And then he commits to him anyway. It just I I don't get it, man. After I mean, I, after Ricky, he told he told everybody on social media like two months ago, "Hey recruits, if you're not serious about coming to Virginia Tech, don't use Virginia Tech for clout." And then two months later, he puts out a top three. Everybody everybody in the world knows he's committing to Auburn. He puts out a top three. Auburn's not even in it, and then recruits to them the next day. It's like, yeah, what, what are you doing? And, 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 uh, while we're doing our final airing of grievances, um, <laughs> the, the whole, the whole um, I will still be visiting Virginia Tech and then committing like, oh yeah, seven days oh yeah, Auburn. It's like, dude, like, yeah, you don't okay. need to say that if you don't mean it, like, like yeah. just. Just, hey, hey, look, it's the same thing in relationships, man. A clean break. If you're going to break it, break, break it clean, it. move on. Like, well, not everyone took it at that, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to, to Davis's credit, like when he decided he was going to cut the cord, he's like, I'm committing to Auburn. I'm cutting the cord. Man, he dragged VT through the mud on the way out, though. He dragged him through yeah, the mud. Yeah, he did. And that's that's going to harbor a lot of resentment. And I, I will obviously see some people rejoicing if for one reason or another, Demetrius doesn't have a great career at Auburn. Um, it definitely won't. It, it, there will definitely be some segment of the fan base, which it, it would be like this everywhere because fans are fanatical. That's literally what it stands for. Yeah. There'll be some fans that'll be rejoicing in it, um, which it's a shame that that's how it is, but that is how it is. It, it's just funny, man. It's like, we're all three of us, like at least like relatively serious media members. We have we have a decent sized platform between the three of us. And here we are spending 
15 minutes to start our podcast that a couple hundred people are going to listen to at least as we break down the intricacies of a 17 year old boy's thought process because yeah. he doesn't want to go to our college anymore. And it's child, like, I have a 17 year old psychology is not in our, our realm of expertise. Yeah, exactly. I have a 17 year old sister. If we had to come here and break down what she's thinking, I think we'd all be losing our minds, right? 17 year olds are just kids. I was doing some dumb shit when I was 17, but I mean, I wasn't a five-star football recruit or a four-star football recruit. So no one had to worry about me except for maybe my parents who were a little worried. But Hey, all right, we'll go on to some different news here. That's it for us talking about Demetrius Davis forever, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so today during my radio show though, uh, I got I got a, a message on Twitter from a good friend of mine, good friend of the Hoagie Hangover podcast, Jeremy Count from Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. He's always on top of the, the Twitter world. And he sent me a tweet about one minute after it happened. It was from Pete Thamel. He said, sources, the NCAA Division I Council voted to approve voluntary athletic activities in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball to start on June 1st and go through June 30th. There had been a moratorium on that through May 31st. Other sports will be acted on a later date. So does this mean college football is coming back, Mike McDaniel? It certainly sounds that way. Um, look, I, and this is something, Andrew, actually we talked about on the radio today. So, Ricky, I'll bring you right into the program, baby. Here we go. So um, Pete Thamel releases, you know, releases that news about, um, you know, about you know, athletes being, you know, voluntarily allowed to return to campus. And it seems like they're going to put it on the states and the localities. And um, the NCAA is just going to kind of put the onus on the schools to make the best decision possible for the kids. With that being said, as the country begins to reopen, and we're, we're recording here Wednesday night, the 20th, by Friday, um, it seems like every part of the country, every state will at least be in some phase of reopening. And it seems Great like the NCAA is... Where you are, though. Exactly. So the NCAA is at least looking to move in that direction. I think it's a positive sign for the college football season, guys. Now, I don't I don't think and I've said this before on this podcast, I don't think we'll have fans. Um, I, I think that if we do, it's going to be very limited capacity unless something changes, because this is just literally changing overnight here. It's a hour by hour thing. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I do think it's a positive sign. And I think if everybody's able to do it, you know, safely in a manner that limits the limits or minimizes the risk for for the health of the players and the coaches and the fans and everyone else. Let's do it, man. Like, let's bring football back. Let's bring basketball back. Let's bring baseball back. Let's bring golf back. Like all the sports are trying to figure out ways to do this thing safely. And it seems like with the country reopening, why not bring sports back if you're able to do it? And you know what? I love college. You guys know I love college football more than anything in the world. If they're able to find a way to make this happen, fans or not, that's a sacrifice we're going to have to make for the health of everybody. And if we're able to do it safely with the players and the coaches and everybody involved, let's let's find a way to do it. I'm I'm all for it. I think it's a positive sign. Rick, first thing that went through my mind when I saw this on Twitter was that I can't wait for people on Twitter to drag Mark Emmert for wanting to kill people for for allowing kids to go back to school. Um, but in all seriousness, this is a great sign. Um, and it's, it's one that doesn't really surprise me. I think we've been heading in this direction for quite some time now. 
um, it would be, be and Mike, you really, you really hit the nail on the head is that this situation's changing so damn fast that it's really hard to project exactly how things are going to look even a month from now or three weeks from now, let alone three months from now. So it's definitely a good sign. Um, anything that can get, get players in the door and allow them to start getting ready for the season is obviously would obviously allow you to have a season start by a specific time. Cause what we've heard from guys across the country, it sounds like they need like six to eight weeks for them to feel confident about getting their guys ready. Great so point if on you the start schedule. bringing, yeah, if you guys start, if you get, start getting guys in, in June and early July, you, you at least give yourself a shot at being ready for, for, for a season to start on time. So it's great news, man. I hope it works out. Um, I hope they, I hope everyone takes it seriously. I'm sure they are because Lord knows being caught in the middle of a situation where you've got some sort of outbreak on your team. Not only is that not a good thing for the players, but it would be an absolute PR nightmare. Um, so I'm really, really hopeful here. There's light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel, y'all. So be patient. Don't, don't freak out and we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And like, you know, you talk about fans, no fans. Well, well, Gene Smith, who is the uh, athletic director over at Ohio State, he came out with a comment today. He's like, you know, well, kind of we're considering what we can do based on the laws, like whether that means 20,000 people in Ohio Stadium, whether that means 50,000 people in Ohio Stadium, we're going to do what we're going to do. I mean, I guess to me, I'm not. Do you guys remember the Virginia Tech Marshall game? Were you guys there? Oh, the, which the, one? Are the, we talking about the, the recent one, one or are we talking about the one a few years Wall, ago? Wall Street Continuer in 2018. Okay. okay. I, I remember there? the game. Yeah. So, I was there. Wasn't it a little bit eerie to see like 25% capacity Lane Stadium? It was. I mean, yeah. I was happy that we had the game. So for me, I mean, it will still be a loss, right? Because like, if our opportunity to host Penn State is going to happen in a not so hostile environment, I don't think that does justice to the point you're trying to prove with that marquee of a game in your house, right? And then having to potentially go to them next year and play in the big time, that would be a bad hand to draw. But at the end of the day, I just want college football to be played my life has much more purpose if college football is being <laughs> I think I think the NCAA and all these these athletic directors owe these kids every opportunity to hit the field and and get a year on the field that if they can do it they need to find every way possible to get it done cuz these guys are have a have a schedule that they're trying to get to the NFL they want to be able to put film on tape and um, they, they, they want to be able to show guys what they can do and they can't do that if they're sitting at home with no games being played. So uh, it, any player that wants to play, they, they deserve every, every opportunity to get out there. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we haven't seen, you know, any sort of serious cynicism or skepticism from athletic directors or coaches who have, you know, kind of poo-pooed the idea of, get, of, of having a season. For the most part, everyone's been pretty, you know, reasonably optimistic and, and and cautiously optimistic. And I think that that's the right way to go. All right. Let's go back to the recruiting trail. Now my favorite topic, 
Jalen Jones commits to Virginia Tech last week. A, a pretty good pickup for the Hokies. Mike, tell us what you know about him. Yeah, so he's a three-star receiver um, out of Richmond, Virginia, Thomas Jefferson High School. Um, he's the 40th-ranked prospect in the state of Virginia. Uh, so this isn't an elite guy by any means, uh, but he's he's a good prospect. Um, he's versatile. He can play inside or outside. He's 6'1", 180. He's drawn comparisons from a, a lot of a lot of guys who are a lot more intelligent than me um, from a recruiting standpoint to Cam Phillips, which would be a <laughs> that'd be great if he turns out to be anywhere near as good as Cam Phillips. Really? Yeah, Tech. that would be phenomenal. Um, but uh, regardless, I, I think it's it's a nice add. It's a nice add to the class. Let's not pretend like, um, you know, Jalen Jones is going to come in and, you know, on paper, you know, bring this class to like unbelievable levels because he's just not that kind of prospect coming out of high school. But that doesn't mean he can't be a good player like anybody else. He can come in and produce. I I think it's a very good pickup for the class because I like his versatility a lot. Um, The fact that he can kind of line up anywhere on the field. I had an opportunity to chat with him a little bit after his decision and article I posted to allhokies.com. So go check that out for all of our sake. Um, and I was able to chat with him about how the coaching staff thinks he'll be used. And they said, you know, what? To be honest, like they plan to kind of line me up everywhere. And that was kind of their pitch to me. It's like, you can line up inside, you can line up outside. We see you working in a variety of ways. And he shows that on film at the high school level as well. He has played, um, he has played, you know, um, on the outside, he has played out of the slot as well. So he shows that at the high school level, there's no reason to think that he won't be able to do that, uh, at the college level as well. So, um, yeah, intriguing prospect. Um, you know, basically like a mid-tier three-star. I-, I think he will help Virginia Tech more on the field than maybe he's showing on paper from a prospect standpoint. But I do think it's a solid pickup for Virginia Tech. I do think he could end up being uh, one of the better players of the recruiting class for the Hokies, depending on who else they pull in. Ricky, does this move the needle at all for you? No, <laughs> it doesn't. I mean. Mike said he, he he's a mid-level three-star guy, and they don't really move the needle. Um, now, that's not to say that he, he couldn't, you know, he isn't a, someone that you want to have in your class. Exactly, uh, because you have to have you have to have these kinds these kinds of players in your class. But no, it doesn't move the needle. His offer list is pretty middle of the road. He's got a few ACC offers, um, and he's like an eighty-five on two four seven's numerical value. So I'm not really moved by by the um, by the commitment. We'll see if maybe he gets a ratings bump if they have a, a senior season over there at Thomas Jefferson, which I think the VHSL is is trying to do everything possible to get guys a senior year and for them to be able to play, which is great news. Again, I, I hope that these kids get a chance to to enjoy their childhood. Um, so hopefully. Um, all those guys will be able to play, but I'm not, I haven't really watched him yet. So I don't have a, a personal opinion on him, but just judging from what I've seen so far, it's just kind of a, a middle of the road recruit, which again, you have to have these kinds of players. And as we know, I mean, just because you're a middle of the road recruit doesn't mean that you can't be a very good player. I mean, Cam Phillips was not a highly rated recruit and turned out to be one of the the most consistent and reliable receivers in, in school history. So, We'll see what happens. Um, I, I, I think it's they definitely need to probably add at least one or two more receivers because I'm not quite confident what they have in that room behind Trey Turner and it may be Tavion Robinson. So uh, we'll see what happens. Now, Mike, the Hokies are 
the pretty big favorites to land Jalen Stroman when he makes his commitment on Friday. That's the brother or the cousin of, of Greg Stroman. And we were talking about the brother brother of Greg Stroman. And when we're talking about guys that were three-star recruits that ended up panning out pretty well, well, Greg Stroman, a very good example of that. What's the scouting report on his brother Jalen and what, what can he contribute to Virginia Tech? He's got pretty much the same offer list as his brother, actually, coming out of high school. Um, he's being pursued heavily uh, by Duke and UVA, two schools that recruited um, Greg Stroman pretty hard. Um, he's got a couple other ACC offers as well. Um, he attends Patriot High School out in Oaksville, Virginia, which is about 25 minutes down the road from where I grew up. Um, they have a modest, you know, a modest football program there. Uh, but by all indications, he's a very good player. Now, he's another guy who, when you look at him on paper, he's a uh, more highly rated recruit um, than Jalen Jones. But he's another guy who's a three-star prospect. So, again, not going to you know, jump off the page at you other than the fact that he's Greg's brother. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be very good. He's very good at the high school level. He's played good football here in the state of Virginia. Um, and I think he will be a nice addition to the class. Um Again, a little bit more highly rated than Jalen Jones, but still a three-star recruit. Um, a guy who's played both receiver and defensive back in high school, just like Greg did. So it'll be interesting to see how Virginia Tech uses him, um, it, assuming that they do land his commitment on Friday. Uh, 24-7 seems to think so. That's public knowledge, so we can put that out there. Um, a couple crystal balls in for Virginia Tech. Uh, the one school to watch here, interestingly enough, is UVA, because... Uh, Jalen Stroman has uh, an existing relationship with some members of the coaching staff there. So just something to keep in mind, but it does look like he should commit to Virginia Tech. If he does, I do think he'll help the recruiting class. It's just going to be really interesting to see how, you know, Justin Fuente and his staff choose to use him. You know, do they use him at receiver? Do they use him at defensive back? Um, You know, he's played both at a pretty high level um, in high school. So Let's see how it pans out. You know, they, they kind of had the same sort of situation with Greg Stroman when he got to Blacksburg and ended up being a really good return man in his first couple of years and then evolved into one of the better defensive backs on the roster for the Hokies. So um, he was a guy who was, you guys will remember, you know, Greg was always a very good return man and he wasn't a great defensive back at first, but he developed he as bad. time went on. He was flat out bad. Yeah, I mean, and- he, they, they, there were there were several times in his first two seasons where Greg just had no idea what was going on, and and he turned into one of the better corners in the conference. Yeah, and and now he's playing at the NFL level for the Skins. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean it, it, it's crazy how that turns out. I mean, like yeah. for me, for for Jalen Stroman, I think it's a lot like Jack Hollifield. These are two names that um, obviously are going to ring a lot of bells for Tech fans, and I think they're going to garner a lot more attention because of who their brothers are. Yep. Um, in terms of recruit rating. They're kind of the same. Uh, Jack's offer list is a bit better. I don't know how many of those offers are recent. Um, but, yeah, the, the, they're both middle-of-the-road guys. But, again, just because you're getting middle-of-the-road prospects isn't a bad thing. Like, you have to get you have to get these players that are, are not, not necessarily um, guys who um, jump off the, the sheet on National Signing Day, but they're guys that have some tools that can be developed in two to three years down the road they turn into reliable contributors if you can keep them in your program that long. And I think tech would be able to keep Stroman and and Hollyfield in the program just because of their family ties. But 
yeah, um, Tech's been Tech's been in on Jalen Strubin for a long time. Obviously. Long time. Yeah, they've obviously known about him for quite a while. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me at all if he commits to Tech, and um, it would. I think it's kind of a, a must for Virginia Tech just because of the fam the familial connection there, and um, it, it's not like Jalen is is not a Division One player. He's he's clearly a Division One player, and he's probably a Power Five player. Yeah. So it's not like you're you're changing your standard just to take in a guy who has a connection to your university. That certainly isn't the case uh, with Stroman or Jack Hollifield. Yep. Now looking at, well, first of all, I, I would say definitely these names garner hype, but in, in, in the world of Virginia tech fans thinking Virginia tech has had some pretty good luck recruiting within families and building oh, yeah roster through that like some pretty insane luck that being said a lot of these cases where the younger brother was a higher touted recruit than the older brother and in the cases of Tremaine Edmonds Kendall Fuller that ends up working out very very well in the long run all right last thing I want to talk about here because we've got a couple more minutes that we can kill saw an interesting tweet today from OxVT who is apparently a controversial <laughs> yeah and- yeah Ricky and I Ricky and I dived into his tweets a bit last week it that garnered some attention huh? Ox has been Ox has been causing people to turn heads for a while now now I, I think he's he produces great graphics he's he's absolutely terrific over there um his work is is pretty solid all right, so but he tweeted out something interesting. And I just want to know what you guys have, have to say about it. He tweeted about 59 minutes ago. Revisionist thinking. Hokies oh. joining the ACC was the death blow for football. If they'd been left out, they'd be in the SEC with little money issues. Instead, we watched Swafford cozy up to Raycom and VT leadership not go all in on football. The price? Playing catch-up to the growing UNC monster crying emoji. Okay, I have I have a couple thoughts. Whichever on that. one of you wants to comment first, because I'm throwing Rick, this at you blindly. Rick, please allow me to take the stage here for a moment. Yep, yep. Go ahead. I'll, I'll be I'll be. You'll be followed swiftly by me. Cool. I don't see any reason why Virginia Tech, if they were in the SEC, would finish better than like eighth or ninth in the conference. I mean, I I uh, just I don't really buy that. I. <sighs> When looking at it on paper, I mean, Virginia Tech has struggled to, um, of late. Now, now, okay, let me let me back up a step because at the time when conferences were realigning and Virginia Tech joined um, joined the S- joined the ACC instead of the ACC, um, and, and could have had that opportunity to to jump conferences. Well, they, didn't, they didn't have an offer from the SEC on the table when they. Right. When they joined in 2004, let's let's make that clear. Yeah, so they never had an opportunity to really even go there. Um, and they didn't really, I mean, I know it was like thrown around as like a discussion topic on like message boards and stuff like that, but it was never really serious even when conferences were realigning more recently, like within the last 10 years. That was never truly on the table that Virginia Tech would just go to the SEC. Um, now, with all that being said, like Virginia Tech's recent history, like within the last 10 years, um, the Hokies made an ACC championship game in 2011. Uh, they made one more recently, um, obviously, in 2016. But other than that, it's been a pretty up and down last 10 years for the football program in the ACC, which, you know, is not the SEC, right? Um, Virginia Tech's losing to teams like, you know, 
Pitt and Duke and Georgia Duke. Tech and, and Boston Old College and Old Dominion and yeah, like the SEC has got some bad teams, but like, look, Virginia Tech wouldn't necessarily have money issues, I guess, if they joined the SEC and football would definitely be a priority because you'd have no other choice. But like, what would the Virginia Tech football program look like right now? I mean, imagine having the 74th rated recruiting class and then playing in the SEC. Like, seriously, I mean, Virginia Tech's having enough issues pulling in recruits in the ACC. Imagine if they were doing this in the SEC. Like, what makes you think they wouldn't be like, I don't know, Vanderbilt or uh, Ole Miss or I, I don't know. Like, I just struggle to to believe that Virginia Tech would be recruiting at a very high level and, and, and they're struggling right now. I just the money thing is, is one conversation, but everything else, I just wouldn't have a ton of confidence right now just looking at Virginia Tech's program, the way it stands and how it would stack up with teams in the SEC. Ricky, do you disagree? Okay. okay. So there's a, there's a couple different things here. Number one, if, if Virginia Tech was in the SEC, yes, it would be better for the program. I think they would be in that middle tier. Obviously I think they'd be in the upper part of that middle tier. They're obviously not going to be with the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Auburns, uh, Florida, Georgia. They're not going to be in that group. So, they're going to be in the middle of the conference. And if they were like in the SEC East, which is something that they would probably be in, they would be they would benefit from being in the weaker of the two divisions. But facing Georgia and Florida all the time is going to be a pain in the ass. That being said, yes, they would have access to the SEC network funds, which is terrific. Although they would still have the same fundraising issues, I think, if they were in the SEC. So I'm not convinced that their money would no longer be an issue. Uh, and I think the recruiting would get better uh, just because they're playing in a bigger conference and they're going to be playing Alabama and LSU and Auburn pretty frequently. So I think if Tech is in the SEC, I think it's better for the program long term. That being said, joining the ACC was not certainly a death blow because if they didn't join the ACC, I'm not convinced that they would have been gobbled up by any of the Power Five conferences. Virginia Tech could easily be Memphis if if they hadn't joined the ACC. And being stuck in the group of five, now that sucks. Now I understand that Memphis is still a pretty competitive program, but you have less than a zero chance of ever winning a national title over there. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it, there's even if you go undefeated, nobody respects you. So then you end up like UCF and you play a bowl game against a power five team who nobody wants to admit isn't as good as you, and then you beat them, and everybody thinks you're the national champions when you're not. But if, if they didn't join the ACC in 2003, 2004, they very easily could have ended up in, in, the, in, the, um, in the American Conference or, God forbid, the CUSA. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine them in the same conference as Old Dominion? I mean, it's kind of hard to, hard to even think of. But joining, joining the ACC was, was one of the best things that ever happened, for, ever happened to Virginia Tech. It gave him a seat at the table. Um, yes, I understand that John Swafford has cost ACC schools numerous amounts of dollars with his inability to negotiate a network deal sooner. No than question did. about that. Yeah, uh, th no, there isn't, and and it's it's a shame because I think Swafford gets a pass with a lot of people that cover him. You know, a lot of people, especially from the from the North Carolina area, a lot of those media members. I don't think that they have have really covered that thing fairly i think that they should be a bit more a bit more critical of swafford's leadership 
Um, but I, I think it was, was it 2011 when Memphis um, got added in and M- Memphis and Texas A&M got added into the SEC? You mean Missouri? Um, I'm not, yeah, yeah, sorry, Missouri. I'm not convinced that if Tech was in in a group of five conference in, in 2011 that they would have been gobbled up by the SEC. Um, and I don't, I'm not convinced that they would have been gobbled up by the big 10 if they had been a group of five schools. So, um, yes, being in the ACC does have its disadvantages because the, the conference doesn't generate as much revenue, but having a seat at the table in the power five is, is a million times better than not having a seat in the power five and playing your games against programs that most people don't care about yeah and one more thing um that i'd like to add just like be careful what you wish for right because like maryland was playing maryland was playing in the acc and oh yeah they were they were like semi-competitive some years in conference play for football and i'm not saying maryland is the same football program that virginia tech is by any means i think virginia tech's obviously a much better program than maryland but maryland left the acc and went to the big 10 how does that look for them on the football field right now not very good the old, um, like they they sold their success on the field for money, for sure. And look because how it's turned it, out for them so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it and it's crazy because they still recruit at a relatively decent level, which blows my mind. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Maryland completely sold out their success on the football field for the money. They got two coming in now. Say that again. They got two as little brother coming in now. Who knows? Maybe that could be the next big recruit that's supposed to turn the program around, but doesn't. Call me when Maryland does something after the second game of the year. I just want Maryland to play Tech. You know, do you all know how frustrating it was to watch all of these media personalities get super hype about Maryland being really good after the first two weeks of the year? And then for the rest of the season, they were horrible. That was so aggravating. Well, yeah, the Josh but they beat Syracuse. Thing, uh, <laughs> was not, and we love Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, a good kid, but... Uh, you know, the tech fans who who two weeks into the season were were scolding Fuente for chasing off Josh Jackson. Oh, yeah, that was that was fun. That, that could go on old takes exposed. If Virginia Tech was relevant enough to be on old takes exposed. Uh, but, yeah, my take on this is basically what Ox is saying is like, I guess that's a theoretical timeline where Virginia Tech can remain in the Big East at the time or what, you know, what was the Big East at the time and still maintain their level of recruiting and their level of, you know, overall success being in BCS bowl games year after year, as they did when joining the ACC, that would put them in a position when, you know, in 2010 or 2009 or whenever it was then that they added Texas A&M and Missouri, that they would have been a hot candidate for it, right? But in the way that things actually turned out, basically the clout of the Vic years earned Virginia Tech a spot in the ACC, and like you said, Ricky, earned them a seat at the table, and that elevated the university from an overall athletic standpoint, not just in football, but in every sport, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, And and it elevated the university's reputation regionally and nationally that ultimately made Virginia tech a better academic institution today than it was 20 years ago. So by wishing for them to not get in, you're gambling a lot that things would have played out in the exact way that they would to even get into the SEC. And then you're gambling that they wouldn't just be a doormat when they got there. Right. So I think all in all Virginia tech is right at home here in the ACC and, and, and that 
now we kind of have to look at the AC. I mean, Virginia Tech bears its own brunt of their personal responsibility to improve fundraising and so on and so forth. But also the ACC, like you said, as they launch this ACC network to try to get to that level, because, you know, right now they're, they're, they're in third place behind the SEC and the Big Ten in, in terms of revenue, in terms of national relevancy. And, you know, they're not as far back as, as the Pac-12 or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But right now, Clemson is, uh, you know, carrying the brunt of the burden in football. And, and the ACC has, you know, maybe not a long way to go, but a way to go for them to be in the conversation with the Big 12 and the SEC. So I understand the sentiment in wanting that. But at the end of the day, I think Virginia Tech's in a pretty good spot where they are right now, right? I don't want to imagine a world where Virginia Tech isn't a Power 5 program. That's That's some scary stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. We're going to end with two random questions that I want your pit, your guys' opinions on. All right. This Sunday. All right. This Sunday, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Who do you got? Oh, TB12, baby. You know, I'm not picking against my boy, Tom Brady. TB12. See, I'm split because I, I really like Peyton Manning and I also really like Phil Mickelson. Phil is my my favorite golfer, so I don't really know. Um, so, eh, I I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just looking forward to watching. It. I think it'll be a really cool event. Um, that you can't count yeah. Ask for a pick. Oh, oh man. Um, yes, I'm gonna go with Tiger and Peyton. Yep, I agree. Tiger, a year off of the master of a master's victory, and Peyton Manning has certainly had more time to practice golf over the past five years than Tom Brady has. So I'm going to take those two clowns. Um, last question. Game five of the night, or g- game six of the night, game five or six, I forget. The flu game for Michael Jordan. <laughs> Was he hungover, or did he, as he claimed, get poisoned by a rogue Pizza Hut employee? I've always thought he was hungover. I mean, ever ever since I like heard that rumor that it wasn't actually the flu, I was like, "Oh man, MJ the party animal." It had to be. It had to be. The, it had to be a hangover. But my personal opinion, I'm sticking with it. Rick, I hope it was because he was poisoned by a rogue Pizza Hut employee, because that would be absolutely hilarious. Um, but nah, it, it was probably him hungover. I mean, he's he's on there talking about how the Bulls players were throwing these mad wild parties after games and that he was the only one that wouldn't take part in it. Right. And while I understand that Michael Jordan is a different beast, he's a different animal and he's cut from a different cloth. I find it very hard to believe that Mr. Jordan didn't partake in some of that stuff. So I don't know. I I really want to believe the pizza hut story because that that's absolutely terrific. I mean, imagine being the, the guy who actually poisoned that pizza (laughs) <laughs> and you get to tell your kids that you you unsuccessfully screwed up Michael Jordan in the finals against the Jazz. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It definitely is a heck of a conspiracy theory, but I have a hard time believing. And also, I mean, I don't know if you guys have had food poisoning. It's horrible. And I've I have it. Quite a few Not times. fun. And it's easier to imagine getting out and doing something hungover, even if it's really bad, if you give yourself a lot of water and 12 hours. Food poisoning? Not so much. Yeah. Knocks you on your ass. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for us, though. You are listening, and thank you for listening to the Hokey Hangover podcast for Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue. I am Andrew Alex, and we thank you all for tuning in. If you like what you're listening to, well, here's a good idea. Subscribe to the podcast. That way, you don't have to wait for some random retweet on your Twitter feed to come up to know that we made one. Secondly, uh, follow us on Twitter, so in case you're not looking at your podcast subscriptions, You'll still see it anyway. Uh, Third of all, if you like what you're listening to, leave a review, right? Leave a review. Tell us that you like us. Tell us what we can work on, if there's anything we can work on. And and ultimately, those reviews help us get more traction in podcast land, which makes our content (laughs) more presentable to more people. And that's ultimately kind of the goal of making a podcast, right? We're not just talking into the void here. The goal was to be Joe Rogan, man. How about that guy? Yeah, no, he's the man. I just actually you guys, got you guys see that deal he signed with Spotify. Yep, that's big. All right, there, boys. Nuts. Uh, but yeah, and, and like, I guess last but not least, you're listening to this. Pretty good chance you went to Virginia Tech, or if you're just a Virginia Tech fan from around here for whatever reason, you probably know some other people with a vested interest in Virginia Tech athletics. And if you like what you're listening to, and you think that you might have friends who would like what you're what you're listening to, tell them about it. Word of mouth, highly underrated way to get things around. So please do all of those things. We'll love you forever. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll, you know, the way this Virginia Tech news cycle works, even when there's nothing going on, there's still always something to talk about. And if there's not, well, we'll make something up. Until then, thanks for listening and go home. Hope-